Hello, you're everyone. Oh, oh, I oh, thought I ahead. was. I thought no, I was. No, you should be. Sorry, you should be confused. doing it. Okay. Well, I don't know how to intro this show. I actually have no idea. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Heatwave Heatwave Radio's Classic Movies Live. I am your host Pierre Frigon, and I am joined by uh, my co-host Jeff. Hello, Jeff. Hello, Pierre. That was that was beautiful. Just I, so I, you know, I like got into it off the top. Like I, I remembered it for a sec while we were going. And then it you did a great job. Thank you. Um, and I am. I introduced us today because this is a very special episode where we are not talking about one movie. We are talking about a man's experience watching other uh, thirty movies. Uh, last over the past 10 days um or not i guess not past 10 days but it's it's been a little more than 10 days but well i mean yeah it was 10 days in uh at the toronto international film festival and i do not live in toronto so i did not go but as you can (laughs) guess jeff does live in toronto and he did go yeah this was this was really cool because like moving to toronto i didn't move to toronto for the toronto international film festival but like from the moment I moved to Toronto, I was like, I'm going to be able to go to the Toronto International Film Festival. And more importantly, since I am kind of press and industry now, I'm hoping that uh, if, we get, if, we, if we get into the habit of talking about Toronto International Film Festival and like film festivals in general, just whenever it becomes convenient, maybe they will see us as press and industry too. And maybe one day I can interview you about the Vancouver International Film Festival. Yeah, that'd be. I don't. I don't know if like good movies actually come here, but I think that'd be cool. That'd you be guys got a couple of good idea. ones. It's 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 not like on the world stage quite the way the Toronto International Film Festival is, but that's fair. We probably do. I'm I'm just being pessimistic. I <laughs> I just don't know why Vancouver is like they call it Hollywood North, but we get the inferior film festival. So uh, yeah. I'm just salty. To be fair, how many good film festivals does Hollywood get? I'm sure it's not nothing, but Hollywood isn't oh, where guess. movies premiere. I guess. It's yeah, just where point. they're shot, right? Ooh. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's we'll take that, sure. Whatever. <laughs> that's good enough. Um, but yeah, how uh, you know, this was this your first Toronto International Film Festival? I think you've been to other film festivals in general. Um before. Actually, no, this, this was my first in-person film festival, period. I think I've been to, like, I've been to a couple of other film festivals, but insofar as they've been online and I've rented some movies from them. Oh, okay. Like, I did Toronto International Film Festival last year and saw, like, between 5 and 15 movies. Um, but it was all online. Or not all of it was online, but, like, I could do a significant portion of it online where this year I did also rent some online movies, but I was able to like physically go in the morning at 10 a.m. and come back at 2 a.m. Because I could, I live, I live within a walking distance. I could just do that. Yeah. Okay. Can I ask you a question? Do you, what do you eat? Do you eat popcorn all day? Do they serve food? Is there a restaurant there? Or do you have to leave and come back? Can you sneak food so, in? Um. I will say that, uh, so like I accidentally snuck in a Red Bull once and drank it. Like it, it was accidental in that I didn't realize I had it until I was way past anyone who was going to check. Okay. Um, but like 
you know, the Toronto International Film Festival, it happens in a bunch of places that are already movie theaters or already theaters of some kind. So they have like, they do have uh, popcorn and like normal movie concessions around. Um, So some people definitely eat popcorn all day. Uh, I kind of get sick of popcorn if I eat it too much. Like I can hardly finish my small popcorn most time in during most movies I go to. So I did eat a lot of popcorn, but luckily like the Toronto International Film Festival, um, where they were doing it this year, at least, um, it's pretty much right in the heart of downtown. So if I had some time between movies, which I did often, I could sneak away and just like go to a restaurant there or go to a fast food place there. Or when I had like time, but when I had several hours between movies, which happened occasionally, I could literally walk home. Like it's not, it's not that oh, okay. And then just cook. I, I didn't eat as well as I normally would like during that week, but it wasn't that big of an issue because I live here. I definitely don't have the same experience as someone who, you know, flew out to Toronto for the festival. So that's, so they might have a different answer, but like for me, it was fine. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, did you pay, how does, how does paying for the, the films work? Do you pay for each one or can you get like a group package or something? So, um, because I saw a lot of movies, I ended up paying individually for most of them. But the way it typically works first is TIFF will sell ticket packages um, only to members right away. But like I am a TIFF member, so um, I got to buy a package well in advance, which is just you are guaranteed five movies for sure. And then when package redemption day comes, uh, you get on at your allotted time. You hit the you hit the redeem button, and then you can see all the movies that you can put in your package, like use your tickets on. And oh, so I had, so I had five movies guaranteed, um, and then I bought a bunch of other ones pretty much the moment individual tickets went on sale. But um, there were a few times where I didn't have a ticket for the movie going in, and I just lined up, and they do what's called a rush line where. You can just line up, and if at the if right before the movie starts, they have extra tickets, they just sell those extra tickets for an increased price, but like still totally acceptable. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, that, I, I can't imagine. Uh, I mean, one movie watching one movie now is already expensive, so I figured they'd have to have like some kind of system. Um, yeah, and when I say like totally acceptable it's still it's still pretty expensive like tiff movies movies at tiff are definitely at a at a premium yeah well i mean you know it's you get to see the stars you know you get to see the stars did you did you you actually walk past like any stars casually um i I know you saw some on stage but casually walking past stars um I I saw I, I guess kind of right at, but it was right after a screening for a movie that she was in. I'll talk about her later, but like that doesn't really count. Um, but I was at a movie called The Blackening, mm-hmm. and the uh, the stars of that movie were on stage. But I actually sat next to a friend of uh, Vera Drew, 
who is currently in the news a lot because she is the director of the movie The People's Joker. And I got to see her, like, uh, her and her partner um, just talk to the person that was next to me. And I almost, like, said hi and, uh, you know, asked about The People's Joker and said how excited I was to see it before I inevitably could not. Um, But uh, I, I get... I get nervous around people as I, as I've said to a couple of people in person. Now I get nervous around any, literally anybody who's more famous than me. Uh, <laughs> and there's a lot of people that are more famous than me. So I just like froze up all the time. Yeah, that's fair. It's probably a lot. I, uh, I remember the first time I, I saw, I went to like an event it wasn't even a big, it was like a, an esports event. And I saw like Twitch streamers, even Twitch streamers. I was like, Oh my god! Like that's that's yeah. so weird. They're like real people. Um, yeah. But like a movie stars, I can't imagine like how much crazier that would be. Um, yeah, that's cool. So uh, you watched how many films over over the ten days? So my final tally over ten days was thirty two movies. Um, wow. Yeah, it's a lot. Uh, the yeah. other people I've talked to. Uh, I think I think the average of people who saw like a lot of movies at TIFF is like 15. And when I say 32, like I'm bragging a little bit, but like by the end I was about done. I was still enjoying the movies, but I was like, I'm going to be very happy to not watch a movie tomorrow, which yeah, I did. Yeah. I watched a movie the day after <laughs> TIFF that was not at TIFF, but still. Was it a good movie at least? <laughs> it like... actually was. It was okay. really good. Oh, nice. I watched okay. See How They Run, which I'll yeah. say now because... I'm probably not going to talk about it anymore this episode, but very good movie. I'm realizing I'm just really into whodunits and it's a really good whodunit and it's a really good like deconstruction of whodunits. Yeah. Anyway, I saw that after TIFF. It was not at TIFF. Okay. That's fun. Um, oh, well, 32 movies. So yeah. Three movies a day, right? Or did you have one day where you watch like eight movies or something like that? I had one day where I don't think I had any days where I watched no movies. But I did have one day, at least one day, where I watched five. Oh, okay. So I had oh. September 12th, I watched four movies. Technically, one of them was a... Oh, no, yeah. September 12th, I watched four movies. September 3rd, I watched... 13th, I watched four movies. September 14th, I watched five movies. Possibly six movies, actually. Possibly. No, five movies. Yeah. I watched, yeah. I watched like... The days that I was watching a lot of movies, I was watching like four and five movies a day. Jeez. And then yeah, there were some where I only watched a scant two movies. That's too bad. That's rough. What yeah. um, what what else like what? Because this was a you know a film festival, obviously. So like, did anything really cool happen while you were there? Like, did you see any stars or you know any famous uh, movie makers that you were really excited to see? I mean, it was really, I I had the uh, great pleasure to go to a number of premieres, be they like world premieres or North American premieres. And uh, at the premieres, they'll usually bring out some stars, um, which was really cool to see. Because like I went to a movie called The Greatest Beer Run, and uh, that's directed by the guy who did Green Book. Um, oh. That actually tells you most of what you need to know about that movie, though I liked it a lot better than Green Book. Um, but right before when he was introducing the movie, he brought out what looked like the entire cast because he lit, it was like, 
it's a, it was in a big concert hall. It was in the Roy Thompson hall and he filled up the entire stage with people, which was insane. They did not do a Q and a afterwards, which is a shame because there were like 40 of them, but still. Um, and then I saw like a bunch of really cool names. Like I saw Roger Deakins. I think I sent you a picture of that. Mm-hmm, um, yeah, you did. I saw Hugh Jackman. Um, wow. I actually gave a really that nice, Yeah. He gave a really nice speech and then he did not do a Q&A afterwards. Someone who did do a Q&A afterwards, though, was Anna Kendrick, whose mm-hmm. new movie I saw. And like, once again, I uh, was too timid to actually say anything, but uh, her new movie was great. And her Q&A afterwards was really, really good. Like, oh, nice. um, yeah, it, it drove home the reasons that movie was really good, yeah. which I'm sure I'll talk about here in a minute anyway. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. Uh, what, well, I guess going off that note, what were like, what are some, well, I won't, I won't just say good movies. What, what movies do you see as potentially like, like critical darlings or like movies that you might, we might see at the Oscars. Can you think of any? Uh, definitely. Like, um, one of the, I have, I do actually have like a list of which I'll, I'll I'm just saying this because I'll go through them, but I put up, I put together a list of my own personal like festival awards, you mm-hmm. know, like best picture, best director, stuff like that. Um, but uh, in terms of what might get like real awards attention, um, I think the big player this year at TIFF was Glass Onion, the Knives Out sequel. And I don't think that one's going to like, win best picture or anything, but I think with a good awards push, like that's potentially going to be a big player. We're going to hear a lot about that in the coming months. As soon as it drops on Netflix on Christmas, it's going to be like the big Christmas movie with the exception of the ones that are in theaters. Yeah. Um, I, I heard, I heard it looks, it's looking potentially better than, than the original, which is crazy to me. And I think, like, it does actually have awards potential. I think of it a bit of as a, as a bit of a dark horse because I don't see it as a, like, a, as like a best picture movie. But I think in some of the other categories, it, it could do even better than the first Knives Out because the first Knives Out did get an awards nomination for uh, adapted screenplay. And I think Glass Onion has at least two potential awards it could get if it can also go for adapted t- screenplay. Oh, okay, cool. Um, some other ones I saw. Uh, definitely Women Talking, which is in my top five that I saw. Uh, that is a... It's a really, really good movie, sort of in the vein of 12 Angry Men. Like, it's it's just eight women talking in a room for the whole... You know, for the duration of the movie. Um, but it it does social commentary in a really cool way and, like, talks about issues that... Um, are very difficult to talk about just like day to day. Like it has some really good uh, explanations of like patriarchal systems, mm. um, toxic masculinity, stuff like that. It's, it's able to communicate those in a really good way, which, you know, awards attention or not, I think it's a really important movie and it's more than that. It's like Canadian too. So like, it's a very high profile Canadian movie. Um, and I think it will have some awards potential, probably because it has like it's full of stars. Yeah, um, Claire Foy, Rooney Mara, Jesse Buckley are all in it, and they're like 
Jesse Buckley's in it in a relatively minor role, which is shocking to me. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean um, relatively minor? Just like more she, like less than what you were expecting or I was expecting her to be the to be the lead in that movie. I would if anyone's a lead in that movie, it's not her. I think everyone in that movie is technically supporting because it's like very much a ensemble movie rather than a, yeah. any one person specifically. Yeah. But like Jesse Buckley has a couple of moments, but a lot of times where she just sits there and seeds. Like she's not, yeah, she's, she's very supporting. Oh, okay. Uh, the new Martin McDonough movies uh, came out. Uh, the Banshees of Inisherin. Uh, Martin McDonough is the guy who did three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Oh, and yeah. Also, um, and also in Bruges. And the Banshees of Inisherin actually won... Um, it won Best Actor at Venice for Colin Farrell at the festival that The Whale with Brendan Fraser premiered at. So, like... This massively hyped re- return of Brendan Fraser came out at Venice and lost Best Actor to Colin Farrell in Banshees of Inisherin. And straight up, probably Banshees of Inisherin deserves it. I watched it and it is incredible. It's yeah. also it's like really funny. Um, it's it's an extremely dry humor, but it's like it's like really funny. Uh, it's about I don't know how much you know about the Banshees of Inisherin. I'm confident we'll talk about it again in the future but just sort of as a teaser it's um colin farrell and brendan gleason and one day colin farrell goes to the bar to see his friend brendan gleason and he tries to sit next to him and brendan gleason goes i don't want to be friends with you anymore just because i don't think i would really like you that much and the entire movie is colin farrell like trying to figure out (laughs) why brendan gleason doesn't like him too much that anymore and they and like that whole thing spirals into a really nasty fight from essentially nothing. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, I, I'm, I really want to see it again because, you know, it, because like one, it's, it's a really, it's a really personal, like it's a really, it's a really interesting story about how, you know, essentially a, about a friendship breaking apart, which is, something that I guess you can see every now and then, but it's a friendship breaking apart for no reason, which is pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. But then also a lot of the choices in it make me think that it's a lot deeper than I originally thought. And I didn't think it was shallow to begin with. Like it's set in the 1920s in Ireland, which um, I think technically predates what is called the troubles, but it's like the Irish civil war. It's not set in the Irish Civil War. It's set on an island that like is basically not even dealing with that, but it's set during the Irish Civil War. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on an island that nobody cares about that everyone is trying to leave. It's an island that technically doesn't exist. And it's just like, it shows people in a way of life that, you know, small town way of life that I guess still exists, but is basically not definitely not as prevalent as it used to be. It's almost, it's like the small town is basically medieval almost, Mm. but it's in the 1920s. Um, Anyway, the point being, I think that I'm really excited to watch it again because I think there's so much in that movie that 
um, is just going to make it so much better on a second or third watch. Ooh, that, that does sound good. It sounds like a very like raw movie, if that makes sense. It, it really is. And like, it's able to get at those raw emotions through really absurd, like contrived, like through really absurd situations that sort of like toe the line between occasionally they're really funny. And a lot of times they would be really funny to talk about, but are actually like really horrifying to see. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how to say exactly what I mean without going into spoilers, which we will do because we will talk about that movie. Yeah. Um, okay. What, what are, are there, well, do they really show like kind of big, more popular movies? If that makes sense there at all. Like, they did you do. see any movies that you, you see, like, kind of, like, being big culturally or anything? Big culturally is hard to say. Um, I There's definitely, like, a lot of high-profile movies. Like, mm-hmm. I saw some very... I saw some movies that, you're pro- that I'm probably never going to hear about again. Like, a Canadian movie called Soft, which was uh, originally called Pussy. Um, <laughs> it, which was which pretty good, but, like, that's not getting a big release yeah i can and it's a lot and it's a lot quieter of a movie it's like a coming of age for uh three queer kids in toronto um i saw a movie called project wolf hunting which people will watch in the future because it has k-pop stars in it but it's like a really gory horror movie that you know you're not gonna you're probably not gonna see this in the theater it's not gonna it'll probably happen but is it really going to come to every theater in Canada? Probably not. Yeah. Um, but they do have like a lot of, um, but there were definitely a lot of higher profile things there. Like, I mean, Glass Onion was the big one and they kept like showing, they made a bunch of showings just to make sure people could see Glass Onion. And then the other biggest thing I saw there was The Fablemans, which is a new Steven Spielberg movie. I actually almost forgot about it. Um, oh, it's, wow. <laughs> It's um, but like, it's a new Steven Spielberg movie. In about a month or two, when it comes out in theaters, everyone's going to be talking about it, or at least everybody who goes to the movies regularly is going to be like, "Oh, there's a new Steven Spielberg movie, eh?" And like, <laughs> you know, it's it so like huge profile, probably yeah. a bigger profile movie than Tiff almost ever gets because. Steven Spielberg is the highest profile director maybe who's ever lived, but like uh, Tiff definitely puts a lot of stock into getting those high profile things to bring in people for sure. Yeah. That's actually, was was Spielberg there? Probably not. Yes, but I was not at the premiere. No. Okay. So I did not see Spielberg. That, that is depressing, but you were in the same building at one point. No. Because oh. I went to I went to a I went to a showing of the Fablemans way later in the week. Oh, okay, never mind. Yeah, I made sure I could get a ticket for it, but I definitely would not have been able to get a ticket for the premiere of that. Yeah, that's that would have been a lot. Uh, that's cool. Yeah, I didn't know Spielberg had a new movie coming out so soon too. I feel like it's a lot sooner than I expected. Um, and like, other than that, in terms of like culturally important movies. Straight up, the one that the movie that I saw that I think would have the biggest shelf life of any movies at TIFF is uh, Weird, the Al Yankovic story, 
which is the Weird Al Yankovic um, oh, biopic. Yeah, right? yeah, it has a really weird release schedule or like release strategy because it's coming out on the Roku channel, which like. I'm pretty sure I have access to that and I do not know how to watch things on that channel. <laughs> yeah. So like, we'll see how that, and, but like, if that is something that people are eventually able to see, I think that's one that people will be returning to for years because it's weird out. It's weird out like evergreen property. Yeah, right. Yeah. I think and, that might actually and, be doing. Yeah. It's just that it's not coming to theaters. I don't think, which only hurts it. Because it's coming to the Roku channel, which again, I have no idea how to even access it. I feel like it won't be only on that for a while. There's no way it'll, that's that's a sustainable. It'll come to something that people can see it on. Yeah. But the first thing that I did think of when when I when I heard that it was coming to the Roku channel, but the first thought that came to mind is the Roku channel inherited everything from Quibi. So the Roku channel is, in a way, a successor to Quibi. And to think that the Weird Al Yankovic movie, in a way, sort of came out on (laughs) Quibi is very strange to me. But it also makes sense for some reason. A little bit? Except it's not a movie that would work in Quick Bites. Yeah. I don't think there's many movies that do. Uh... Okay, well, was there any, how about, was there any bad, straight up bad movies that you saw there? And you're just like, oh God, why is this here? Or why did I waste my money on this? I guess it's kind of tough because they probably wouldn't be there if they were actually that bad. No, there were a couple of bad movies. There there were. (laughs) Uh, There's a new Sam Mendes movie that's not good. Um, It's called Empire of Light. That's the one that I saw Roger Deakins at. It's very beautiful. Well, it's also very boring. Oh. <laughs> um, there's a are you talking I, like Revenant boring? Or are you talking like Nomadland boring? I don't think either of those because I liked both of those movies. Oh, okay. For different reasons, obviously. But yeah. like Empire of Light is just a nothing movie. I guess oh, wow. like, I can't say, I don't know how to say that it's very bad because I don't think it is. But I wrote a review of it, and my review is just, there's nothing to say about this movie. I guess it's nice. It's like a bunch of people having fun, which is good. It's just that, like, I've I've said that about movies that I really like, and I've said that, and I've now said that about a movie that I really don't like. And, like, I guess there's clearly a difference. Because, like, Empire of Light is a bunch of people having fun and, like, not communicating any of that, not sharing any of that fun with the audience. Mm-hmm. Where, like... You know, something like Tropic Thunder, everyone is having a lot of fun and they're making sure you as the audience are having the most fun. Yeah. And Empire of Light is like, it's a bunch of people that are passionate about movies, clearly, but like, it's just not interesting. Damn. Okay. Fair enough. Anything else? Um, so when I, I did try the movie I had wanted to see, probably the movie I wanted to see most was um something called uh something called the whale which i've already mentioned and i'm sure you've heard about um but uh so in order to see that because the movie that movie was sold out the moment it went on sale uh so in order to see that one i came to the i got into the rush line three hours early on monday so uh 
it was playing at 1130 on Monday. I got to the rush line at 830 in the morning so that I could line up to see the whale. Yeah. Um, and I got all the way to being first in line. But then they didn't do rush tickets for that. So they just were like, hey, you're first in line, right? You're going to have to go f- and be first in another line because this line no longer exists. Jeez. So I didn't go to that one. And instead, I, I actually had planned for that situation. I had a ticket to Tyler Perry's new movie, A Jazz Man's Blues, uh, that happened at 1230. So I went to go see that, and it was not a good trade. Uh, a Jazz Man's Blues, not great. It's got some really funny scenes in it, but like, they're not intentionally funny. Like you the, watch the, a, like do you watch a lot of Tyler Perry? How does it compare to his other stuff? Um, I don't watch a lot. I, I I have seen a lot of Tyler Perry because like many many years ago, I wanted to try and watch all the Medea movies, and I gave up about <laughs> five in. But like, um, it's a jazz man's blues is not intentionally funny because it's not a comedy. So it's not, it's already not like on the, it's not in the same ballpark as the Medea movies. But then I've seen his other, I've seen one, I've seen two of his other um, drama movies and maybe one and a half because one of them is starring him. But like one of the, I've seen Acrimony, which is, uh, which was directed by him. And then I saw Alex Cross, which was, not directed by him, but was starring him and was very much in the same vein as something like Acrimony. Yeah. Uh, a Jazz Man's Blues is probably, it has a better script than those, but A Jazz Man's Blues is like really theatrical. It really, it feels like it was written for the stage and then just not adapted. Like it was adapted in as far as, they went to a house instead of going to a stage. Yeah. Cause like the big scene that I always think about is his dad in a jazz man's blues uh, is the main character's dad is abusive. And the way that we find this out isn't specifically through his dad being abusive or demonstrating anything. It's through him giving a grand speech about like how entitled he is to his life and how abusive he is and how he can do whatever he wants in his house. And it's like, that probably would work on stage. Uh, but it definitely doesn't in a movie where like, I mean, even on stage, even on stage or in writing, the cardinal sin is telling rather than showing, but like it really doesn't work in a movie where you have comparatively infinite resources to work with. Yeah. Um, And like, there's just a bunch of that stuff where like, it's very grand and over exaggerated. And I think a lot of people really appreciated a jazz man's blues for like, um, you know, for as a movie that is better than his other stuff. But I do not agree. I think it's, uh, it's less intentionally funny um, or like it's less unintentionally funny and it's more unintentionally bad. Jeez. 
Oh. And then I also saw a movie called My Policeman, which uh, is the new Harry Styles movie. Not the not the oh, first new that. Harry Styles movie. The second yeah. new Harry Styles movie. Of course. Uh, which is, it somehow really resonated with a lot of people, and I'll never take that away with, from them. I thought it was uh, mostly just really boring. And, mm-hmm. like, kind of bad to boot. So, like, I think Empire of Light was better because Empire of Light is bad and inoffensive. My Policeman isn't offensive it's just like bad it's boring and bad where empire of light is boring and inoffensive i see what you mean Um, yeah (laughs) but with my policeman and i'm sure we'll talk about this in a future episode probably i thought harry styles was actually the standout which is interesting i guess (laughs) Uh, i don't necessarily think he was a great actor in my policeman but he felt like the only person who was really trying who was like really giving it his all, which means that he was chewing the scenery, but he was also the only one who like felt committed to the role enough to communicate that. The other actors weren't necessarily bad. They were just, they just felt like they were sleepwalking through their roles. Jeez. That, that is, uh, I guess that's kind of high praise on, on someone. But, it's it's some kind of praise. Yeah, there you go. Something. Um, okay. What uh well, is there anything else you wanted to like like good experience overall, bad experience overall? Yeah, so um let's see. I think like the two screenings that I had the most fun at were uh the Weird Owl screening because that was a midnight madness screening and uh Tiff is already more so than a lot of other movies. It's it um, prides itself on being very accessible. Anyone can come to Tiff. You don't have to dress up. A lot of people like just come after their day job is over anyway. Uh, and Midnight Madness is where they'll bring in movies that are like where the really the point is for them to be fun movies that you can watch with a big audience. A lot of times it's horror movies. A lot of times it's comedy movies. I saw a horror movie and a horror comedy movie and a comedy movie at that, at that. Um, But like, it's also where people just like more, they're like comically into the movie because everyone's overtired. They're just like there to enjoy something stupid And uh, it's really fun. So, like, Tiff always has, like, they'll always have commercials in front um, from their biggest sponsors. Like, they have a Cineplex commercial. They have a commercial that's all about, like, uh, Tiff volunteers. And they had a commercial for jewelry that featured Zendaya and Anne Hathaway and was directed by Paolo Sorrentino for some reason. (laughs) but like during the Midnight Madness screening, everyone was clapping through all of that. Uh, when I saw Weird Al Yankovic, at, uh, when I saw Weird, uh, at the very beginning, there was a strobe light warning. Like there may this movie uh, may contain scenes that may be difficult to watch for people with photosensitive epilepsy. And yeah. people were going nuts. They saw that on the screen. They started clapping. Like they started cheering and hooting and hollering. Okay. Every time Daniel Radcliffe made any joke, People yeah. were laughing and clapping and like, it was just a lot of fun. Like, yeah. I'm sure that I kind of think that when I go back and rewatch the Weird Al Yankovic movie, whenever that is, I mean, 
I don't think it was actually like groundbreakingly good. Like it was fine. It was really entertaining, but I will never have the same. I will never have as good of an experience watching (laughs) that movie as I did the first night with a bunch of people who like in the same room as a bunch of people who were just there to like see something really funny before they inevitably crash in their seat. Yeah. Yeah. Also weird Al was at the showing, which was cool. Someone tried to give him a puppet, which really confused everybody because there's no way that puppet should have made it past security. <laughs> That's cool. Oh um, yeah, yeah. It's exciting. That was, that was the best experience I had. It's, uh, it's, it's cool. Like it's, do you think it's weird? Do you feel weird? Like having seen all these movies that are probably going to be really big in the future, like way before everyone else, like, is it kind of annoying that you can't talk about it that much? Or do well, you feel like you like, like better than everyone now like oh i do <laughs> i do have a little bit of a sense of superiority good, good. about it <laughs> but like it's it's not that weird because like most of the people that i talk to in my day-to-day life don't care that much about me spoiling movies they're realistically never going to see yeah. so i can actually talk to them about some people uh, with some people and then like the ones that i really want to get into with like talking about with people I don't mind waiting until they can see them as well. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And like, nice. you know, I'll just heavily recommend anything that I really want you to see from TIFF. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Well, I don't know. Uh, it's a, it's, it's a, sounds like a fun experience overall. Yeah. I really want to go. Maybe I'll, go, maybe I'll check out the Vancouver one whenever it is. Because now I feel like I, I have think, to see one. I think it happened last week. That's okay. <laughs> it didn't. <laughs> I didn't really want to... Wait, they happen... Do they happen, like, kind of at the same time? They don't happen at the same time, but they happen, like, a lot of film... Some film critics will go from Toronto straight to Vancouver. Oh, I see. So it's, like, really... Okay. It's, like, they're... They start within a week... Vancouver starts within a week of Toronto ending. Yeah. Okay, cool. Next year, then. I'm, I'm fine yeah. with missing them. Um, yeah, cool. Uh, I don't know any last any last words any I do summaries I do have a uh, a list of my my best ofs for oh the yeah year. sorry yeah 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 I'll just I'll just quickly go through that uh, my best picture the best thing that I saw at TIFF was Glass Onion which kind of surprised me because I was expecting it to be good I was going in wanting having loved Knives Out generally loving whodunits in the first place and like you know i i was expecting to like glass onion it blew me away i am so excited to talk about this eventually on the podcast and then you know even with my parents and with everyone that i know who i can recommend this to because it's really really good and uh, i won't say too much about it but um for some reason uh not everywhere is reporting that ethan hawk is in that movie and he is so, you know, oh, cool. Ethan Hawke is in that movie. It's a minor role. It's not an important role. So, like, that's not a big spoiler. Anyway, Glass Onion is the best movie I saw at TIFF. Uh, the runner-up for best movie that I saw at TIFF, which I won't probably do for everything here, but um, it just works out because this is what I put for best director, was Women Talking. Um, Women Talking is a movie that I actually really think you'll like, Pierre, because I know... I know how much you talk about uh, 12 Angry Men. I don't know how often you've actually seen it, but it's, (laughs) but like, 
I think you will really like 12 Angry Men. And then and by then extension, <laughs> you're going to really like women talking. Right, I think cool. really, and like women talking is, it's really good. Like it, I watched it and it made me think about things in different ways. And it put things into words that I am not equipped to put into words because it's not stuff that affects me in the way that it would need to for me to be able to talk about, you know, why patriarchal systems are oppressive, how, how like religion and society corrupts specific, like corrupts individual people. It's like, it's, it's really, it's got really good dialogues on that. And it's another one that I'm like very excited to eventually see in theaters Mm. again. Uh, I also put that as best adapted screenplay. Oh, best director was, I I brought that up because best director, uh, Sarah Polly, who was in Scream, I believe, and is a Canadian director adapting a Canadian book uh, in Canada and um, with not exclusively Canadian actors, but uh, with plenty of Canadian actors. It's a big Canada connection, and it's coming out in like, I think it's distributed by Universal, maybe? Either Universal or 20th Century. Um, So like, Big-time Canadian movie, which is cool. I also put that as best adapted screenplay. The best original screenplay, this is a movie I'm really excited to talk about. Um, One I kind of don't think we'll talk about on the podcast, but would be really cool if you do end up seeing it. Uh, Sanctuary. It's a movie that features two actors, Christopher Abbott, uh, who you'll remember from Possessor, and Margaret Qualley, who I know I have seen in other things, but I don't actually know what else I've seen her in. Um, Margaret Qualley plays a dominatrix who is hired by Christopher Abbott, who is an incoming CEO to his like family company. Mm. And uh, Margaret Qualley is like a very, very expensive dominatrix. She does like full role-playing scenes. And um, the whole movie starts out with that role-playing scene and like develops into them talking about their relationship and like eventually her, her and him both trying to manipulate each other into weirdly enough, advancing both of their careers. It's hard to explain, but like, it's a BDSM, like it's a BDSM erotic thriller. Um, It's, I guess, technically in the same genre as 50 shades of gray, but it's way more just like people talking in a room and yeah. it's really <laughs> tense. It's really good. I'm very excited about it. Um, it's one that did not get... It was sold out in my showing, but I managed to buy a ticket almost on the last day, too. So, like, it clearly wasn't getting quite as much attention as it could have. And I hope that more people will see it because it's really funny. And also just, like, it's also just really good. And it all takes place in one apartment which is uh, like just a type of movie oh, I like. Um, for Best Actress, I had Sheila Francisco from Leonor Will Never Die. Uh, this is a movie that I don't know. Uh, once again, I don't know if we'll have another chance to talk about it on the podcast, but Pierre, I think you would really like it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a Filipino movie about a, an aging director um, who is trying to finish a screenplay that she's been like, working on for years and um as she's writing the screenplay she ends up sort of like 
dealing with the reasons she could never finish it, which one of them is her son died a long time ago and she's still kind of getting over that. And then through some, uh, through various circumstances, she ends up in the world of her movie, which allows her to like live out her screenplay. And so she's like dynamically writing the screenplay as she's living it out. Like at one point she's being hunted by, the bad guys and she just writes, but Leonor hid, hid behind a wall and the bad guys couldn't find her. Yeah. Uh, anyway, she like <laughs> gets to live in this world and like that allows her one to sort of interact with her screenplay and figure out how to, and like helps her deal with the stuff she's going through, but also like makes her sort of confront um, she's writing like an old trashy action movie mm-hmm. with like very black and white morals. It's got a good guy who needs to get revenge for his killed brother. And it's got a bad guy who wants to sell drugs at all costs. <laughs> and like, it makes her sort of rec- it, it sort of like has her uh, reconcile with the fact that like the villains are only as evil as she made them and they have to be evil. But like, why do they do anything they do? because they're evil and she wrote it that way. Yeah. And then like the same thing for the heroes, which is like kind of interesting. Um, and it gets way more meta than that, mm-hmm. but it's like a really cool, like uh, it's like a really cool meta movie. And Sheila Francisco specifically as Leonor is just amazingly sweet in the role. Uh, she gets to play an action hero, but she's also a grandma, which is cool. And uh, she's a wonderfully sweet person in real life. I met her right after the screening and I uh, took a picture with her. And when I looked at the picture, I said, I'm so bad at smiling. And she turned to me like with, she turned to me and she was like, no, 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 it's okay. Aww. That's sweet. Best actor at the, at, of any of the movies I saw at TIFF. Colin Farrell for the Banshees of Inishirin. Uh, he he was really good. Like he's amazing. I I fully expect that when I finally do see the whale, Colin Farrell might still be the best uh, the best actor wow. that I've seen this year. He's really good in this movie, uh, and he's really funny. Like Colin Farrell. I mean Colin Farrell is certainly known for being in being a funny guy in funny movies, but at least recently he's been doing a lot more dramatic roles. And um, I think this movie lets him be very dramatic, but also still be really funny. Yeah. Which is a type of role that he certainly gets, but you know, not as, not as often as maybe he could. Yeah. Anyway, it's really cool that he's been in so many good movies this year. Cause he was also in the Batman he was oh, in yeah, after was. Yang. I forget he was in that. Yeah, well, it barely looks like him, right? Yeah. Um, best supporting actress. This is a movie that I'm gonna uh, hopefully see again next week. I don't. I just need to figure out the timing of it. Uh, it I put best supporting actress as a Filipino actress named Dolly DeLuna for Triangle of Sadness. Uh, Triangle of Sadness is the newest movie by Ruben Ostlund. It actually won the Palm at uh, Cannes this year. Um, it's a movie about like an influencer cruise that goes wrong. Like um, the main character is a male model, and his girlfriend is an Instagram like influencer. Yeah, and they get free tickets okay. to this cruise. 
that uh, is just like all rich people on the cruise. And then uh, eventually the cruise, like um, the, the ship goes down and they wind up on an island. And Dolly DeLuna, who was the maid on the cruise, is the only person that actually knows how to survive on an island or knows the skills they would need to survive on an island. Yeah. So all of a sudden, these people who were on top of the world, like, are nothing compared to <laughs> Queen Dolly DeLuna. Yeah. And uh, she's amazing in that role. Like, the moment you... Triangle of Sadness is a bit of a weird movie because it's kind of split into three parts and those three parts are very close to distinct parts. Mm -hmm. But like Dolly DeLuna is arguably the main character of the third part. And as soon as she comes on screen, it's like you don't even recognize anyone else. It's just all it's just all her. She's such a commanding presence once she gets on screen. Mm. Um, Anyway. Triangle of Sadness is a, was one that's kind of hard to talk about, depending on how things go. Maybe we'll talk about that one again, but it's it's a really weird one to even summarize because of the structure of that movie. Mm. Um, best Supporting Actor, I won't talk too much more about this one. Uh, Banshees of Inisherin, Brendan Gleeson is also amazing in, the, in his role. Um, at times, he's... I would say that he's as good as Colin Farrell. I think Colin Farrell, I don't think he's better, but like the part, the scenes that he's in, he's amazing. Like this mm. is probably the best Brendan Gleeson role I've seen. Yeah. Uh, best score sanctuary, amazing soundtrack. And then the last thing I have is uh, uh, an award that I named for a friend of mine who um, is, he's, he's really good at telling, jokes that I think are hilarious, but are like really bad dad jokes. So I called this one the Nico award for achievement in comedy, uh, which goes to the funniest movie I saw, but also like it was funny because it was like horrible dad humor. Yeah. Um, It's a movie called theater of thought, which is a documentary by documentarian Werner Herzog. Uh, It's all about, um, like the human mind and neuro neuroscience, yeah, and like advan- current advances in neuroscience, and Werner Herzog is really interested in it, but um, he doesn't understand. He's he's an artist. He's not a scientist. So like a lot of the times, you know, he'll let the sci- he'll he'll ask the scientists interesting questions that get them to think about things in a different way. And a lot of times he'll pare down, he'll show only as much, he'll show enough of the scientific part that like, if you are scientifically literate, it's very interesting still on that um, metric, but like not so much that it ever becomes overwhelming. Like it never feels like you're getting a math lesson. Um, But like the funniest scene, one of the funniest scenes is, uh, he asks a neuroscientist to explain this equation that he came up with and he starts explaining the equation and he like writes out the full whiteboard of it. And eventually at one point Werner Herzog just in the narration doesn't actually cut him off because he's, this is, this is all voiceover at this point, but in the narration, he just goes, I will admit that I have no idea what any of this means. And then he moves on to the next scene, which is like, 
I promise you in context, it's not actually as disrespectful as it sounds. It's hilarious. <laughs> uh, that's not cool. So um, I can include like in the show notes for this, I can include a full list of all the movies I saw um, as well as my, my awards for them. But like we've been going for a while. I definitely don't think I can talk about all the ones that I saw that I didn't even mention but I saw I saw some good stuff, and I saw some good stuff that I didn't get the chance to mention because it, there's no good place to talk about it. But it was a really good experience, and I really hope to do it again next year if I can. Nice. Oh yeah. Also, uh, I met Rachel, which um, was super cool. Yeah. Rachel from ContraZoom Pod. Rachel from ContraZoom Pod. Yeah, she was. Uh, I was talking to her earlier today, um, and she. I mentioned that you had met her and she said you came, what was it? I think she said like you came over to her and you were like, hi. And then she did not know who you were for like 10 seconds or something. And she was so, like, why are you staring at me? So the way, the, the way that went is um, we were, we were both waiting to get into, it might've even been Leonor will never die, but it was on the last day. And uh, it was at the Scotiabank Theater, which has a bar in it. So I was just sitting at the bar waiting for the next movie. And um, uh, I looked over from the bar and I saw sitting at a table someone who looked very familiar. And I thought about it for a bit. And eventually I realized, I think that's Rachel. So I went over to her and I said, hey, I think I know you. Which, like, not the strongest opening, but, like, I said that, and she's like, oh, okay. I was like, are you Rachel Ho? And she's like, yes. I'm like, and then, and then like, another silence. And she's like, and you are? And I'm like, Jeff, contra, con, uh, count, uh, excuse me, Jeff, Classic Movies Live. And then we figured out who we, who we were, and then oh, okay. we talked about movies for a, for a bit, which was yeah, cool. Yeah, you might, might have won a letter with your name. <laughs> Maybe. So, I mean, were like you I expecting said, her to recognize you? Because like, I guess no, we've I, seen. I, yeah, I definitely wasn't expecting her to recognize me. I'm not <laughs> sure what I was expecting, but like, this is exactly what I was talking about earlier. I get really nervous around literally anybody more famous than me. I, yeah, and that's like, true. You know, Rachel Ho's not a movie star, maybe, but she's way more famous than me, or at mm. least I think she is. So, like, you know, I'm meeting a celebrity. So That's I just cool. got flustered. No, nah, it makes sense. It, it, it is. It, it sounds like it sounds. It does sound nice to be like around so many people because I'm sure there's like so many other movie podcasters and reviewers and just general oh, fans. Definitely. And I feel like that energy, and just being able to be around that, was like probably a big part of what made that experience special. I'm pretty sure every YouTuber that I watch was there. Wow. I didn't yeah. meet any of them, but I'm pretty sure they were all there. Yeah, exactly. Right. So that's, uh, I don't know. I think that's cool. I think that like, like you said, with the audience and sharing and stuff, I feel like, like it really gives that extra oomph of being part of a community that, you know, likes to watch movies. I think it's awesome. really cool because like, you know, when I went to see Spider-Man, uh, the, the last one, the movie theater was full with people who were going to cheer at that movie. But when I went to see, like, Don't Worry, Darling, you know, I saw it first night and there were people there, but it was like 20 people, maybe, probably yeah. less, actually. But like when I was at TIFF, I went to see an Iranian movie called No Bears. Mm -hmm. 
full of people. Like there, it was a full packed theater with like people that really wanted to see that movie. And had it been a cheer worthy movie, they would have been hooting and hollering and like cheering all over the place. It wasn't that it was like, it was kind of funny, but it was like a dry funny, but like, you know, no other time I can't, I don't know what I would have to engineer a situation to be in a packed theater full of people who want to see some of the movies that I saw in a packed theater at TIFF. Yeah. Yeah. I would kill for like that experience every time. I think that'd be really nice. Yeah. Yeah. And I bet they're a lot more respectful too than the usual movie or not too much noise. I'm guessing or not noise, but like, you know, you know what I mean? Um, cool. Well, that's, it, it, this was a cool episode. Like, you know, I feel like I've learned so much about movie festivals. I actually, I literally know nothing about movie festivals. So. I, I mean, did. like now I know something, so that's nice. The dream scenario is that you know next year or the year after one of these years we can get you out here just for Toronto International Film Festival too. If that's something that like ends up working out. No, yeah, that'd be really cool. I gotta go at least once. Yeah. Eventually, um, yeah, and I don't want to fly to. I don't know, like, Venice for it or whatever. Wherever the other ones are, I have no idea. Well, and I think Toronto... Toronto is going to be a very different energy than, like, Venice or Cannes. Because, like I said, a big selling point of Toronto is that it's open to the public. Anyone can come. Yeah. And so you're see, you're seeing movies with, for lack of a better word, uh, for lack oh, of a better really phrase, like, people like you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, not like, it's not like Cannes where you're seeing movies with only the only the like most well-respected critics in the world yeah which don't get me wrong also a cool energy but very different yeah yeah it's cool i i will check it out in the future and this has been a sponsored message from uh, the toronto international film festival oh we probably shouldn't say that this was technically not sponsored did we lose the money (laughs) wait (laughs) oh never mind yeah we're not sponsored I just don't right. know if we can claim sponsored if it's not true. That's true. Or no, it's not true. I don't know what <laughs> I'm saying anymore. Anyways, this was another episode of Classic Movies Live. I don't know how to end these things. Do I usually end it? Oh, yeah, we do the... Jeff, what's the last word? Pipeline. Pipeline.